Hello and welcome to the Max Communications 2020 podcast, a series of podcasts where we explore various archives and collections. My name is Faith Williams and I'm joined today by Carol Morgan, archivist for the Institute of Civil Engineers. Carol, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about how you came to be in your position? Yes, um, I've been at the um, it's actually institution, I've been at the Institute of Civil Engineers for 29 years now, so not bad for a, a one-year contract. Uh, I came here having made a career change. I began as a library assistant, but I became fascinated with all the archive collections I used to cover at lunchtime down here. And uh, gradually, you know, rather than just taking a message, I started thinking, oh, I know the answer to that, or I know where to find it. And the um, when the archivist uh, was on long-term sick leave I was uh, supported to train as an archivist the IC supported me and here I am. Oh fantastic so can you tell us a wee bit about what the institute does and, and what civil engineering concentrates on as a topic? Yeah well the IC is um, it's a professional body for civil engineers um, our members design, uh, construct, maintain, maintain the infrastructure really that allows us all to live our lives uh, someone once said that uh, civil engineers put the civil into civilization. Um, and originally, civil engineering just meant non military. Obviously, we have all the other um, types of engineering now the structurals, the electricals. Um, so, it's everything really from when you get up in the morning, you turn on the tap, you've got your water supply, switch on the light, boil a kettle, your power supply. Um, using the, the bathroom, drainage sewers, uh, getting from A to B, all types of transport, buildings, smart buildings, energy saving, smart cities, materials, everything from cast iron through to self-healing pavements. Um, also things that protect people, so you know, flood prevention, coastal protection, breakwaters, lighthouses, pretty much everything really that allows us to carry on our lives. <laughs> So how do you spend an average day in your role? Ah, well, there isn't really an average day as, as such, especially not at the moment anyway. Um, we've been obviously working from home a lot. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing two days in the office at the moment and the rest of it at home. So um, we have got a couple of members of staff who are back in full time at the moment in the library staff because um, the archives is part of our larger library. So luckily during lockdown, we've been able to answer most of our inquiries using online and digital uh, sources. We'd be, you know, we tend to scan on demand. So I spend a lot of time scanning and want to do a lot more of that really, because we've just realized this this past well, about four or five months now, isn't it? Um, has made us realize how useful it is, not just for members of the public and, and inquirers, but also for ourselves. Um, so it's a balancing act really between responding to researchers and working with the collections. So promoting the collections through Twitter as well. Um, currently we're going through um, hashtag archives with a Z, um, which is an A to Z of archives. We're on week M at the moment for monorail maps and Manchester ship canal. Um, so also working obviously with the uh, collections themselves, listing things, putting them on the computer, on the uh, database. I also support our panel for historical engineering works or uh, a few, P-H-E-W. Um, 
the panel that they identify and record structures and projects of historical interest um, in each region um, and promote the projects through talks and trowel leaflets and plaques and we've been putting a lot more photographs on their uh, database at the moment while I've been at home. Um, the, the point between, behind that is first of all to identify the structures that are of importance so we can keep an eye on them but also we have sub panels that look at particular things like bridges, um, canals, and they try to sort of um, record a lot more than, than just the ones of historical interest so that they can actually put ones into context. So if someone comes to them and asks, you know, a, there's a local bridge that's, you know, being planned to be demolished, they can actually give a, a, a considered and um, an op opinion on whether on, on um, how important it is, whether it's unique, whether it's the oldest of its type, whether it's got a famous engineer, that sort of thing. As you've said, civil engineering is very broad and there was a real sort of, um, a real concentration during the time that you were founded, 1818, that's industrial revolution all over the country. So you must have a very broad collection. Well, yes, I say really, it's a, it's a, <laughs> our collection sort of covers everything that anyone ever does in some ways. Um, but yes, it is broad. Um, as I say, the archives is part of the wider library collection, and the um, which consists mainly, obviously, books, but e-books. We've, we've uh, invested heavily on e-journals and e-books. Um, both the archive and the library collections are designated. The archive material is, can be divided sort of into two parts, really. We've got our own corporate records, and then we've got the collections, which have been mainly donated by members. Um, and so the corporate records are things like our council minutes. Uh, we've got all the papers that have been read at meetings, um, particularly before we started publishing in the 1830s, although afterwards we have got some unpublished papers as well. And they really form the beginnings of our library and archive. Um, we've got application forms for everyone who's ever joined since 1818, um, up, to 18, um, up to 1930, these are on Ancestry. Um, these forms have actually been listed on the UNESCO Memory of the World Register as being uh, of actual imp uh, international importance. And we've got forms for people like I.K. Brunel, who everyone's heard of, Robert Stevenson, also, John Wolfe Barry, he was the engineer for Tower Bridge and many other projects uh, across the world. And um, Joseph Bazalgette, who did the London Main Sewage System. Uh, so we've got lots of books as well in the archives. The earliest book we've got is about 15th century. It's a copy of Vitruvius's book on architecture. Um, but we've got everything from that through to e-books both technical books uh, and also more general biographies, histories of companies, railways, canal books. They're always of interest to people. Um, from the collection side, they really reflect the work of our members and they are international. Our members have always worked um, abroad, particularly in the colonies, but also further afield. Um, so we've got images, we've got photo albums, loose prints, glass slides. Um, it used to be used for giving talks, sort of lantern slides, uh, and of course the 35mm slides as well. 
So the albums have got lots of railway construction images, things like Indian railway bridges, the South Australian railway, um, lots of pictures of camels in there, surprisingly, um, uh, Canadian Pacific Railway, and things like the uh, Bayer and San Francisco Railway in Brazil. And those were interesting because they were taken by an English photographer, Benjamin Murlock. And recently we were actually, well, a couple of years ago, we were actually approached by a Brazilian author um, who wanted to reproduce them in a book because there were no copies actually in Brazil. So some of our images and some of our information that we have, you know, really isn't available anywhere else. Um, closer to home, one of my favourite albums of photographs is Southampton Dock. It's a lovely presentation volume. It was given to Philip Hedger when he retired as a secretary in the 1890s, secretary to the dock company. And it's the photos show all the staff at the docks. So you've got the police force. There was a huge police force, um, obviously, to protect the warehouses from theft and that. Firemen with a horse-drawn fire engine and some wonderful image, images of uh, divers in their diving gear and showing them climbing down out of these barges, um, like flat barges, um, climbing down on, like an ordinary ladder, climbing into the water. Uh, it must've been quite an event because it looks like everyone gathered around to watch and there's plenty of photos of horses, of course. Um, horses were used to move wagons and material around the docks, essential really. Um, other things we've got, we've got drawings. So we've got the Mackenzie collection of French railways. That's got maps and plans of bridges and lots of stations. We've got Thomas and Charles Hawksley's waterworks drawings. Uh, they're mainly Coventry and Norwich, but a variety of other schemes as well. And those are lovely coloured, watercoloured uh, drawings showing the details of the buildings. And we also have the Wolf Barry drawings. Um, as I mentioned before, Wolf Barry was engineer for um, Tower Bridge. And unfortunately, all that, thousands of drawings, none of them were of Tower Bridge. However, recently we managed to get, acquire a collection of Tower Bridge um, drawings at auction. And these actually show the internal steelwork by William Arrell, which is the bits that aren't really visible. So that's very exciting. You know, when you look at the bridge, you can't see the ironwork. It's all hidden by the masonry covering. We've got notebooks and diaries. Now they're off, they're good because they often give an insight into the lives of engineers. So, you know, we've got Mark Brunel's diaries. Um, he wrote those whilst he was working on the Thames Tunnel. Uh, but they also record when I.K. Brunel, his son, when he was, um, his design was chosen for the Clifton Suspension Bridge, also records the launch of the SS Great Britain as well. Um, Mark was very proud of his tunnel, so he used to count how many visitors came through when it was opened. Um, so each day you had a running total of visitors, but he did complain about people making the tunnel dirty, going through and scuffing the bricks and said that someone had to clean them every day. I don't suppose that happened for very long. Um, it's interesting though, with the Brunel diaries, some of the pages had got clippings, uh, bits cut out, um, presumably by the family, uh, whether they were going to put them in a scrapbook, I, I don't know. But um, a few years ago, some of these entry diaries, um, 
came up at auction and they ended up down in Bristol at the Brunel Centre. And one of the important ones that were missing from our diary was actually the opening of the Thames Tunnel and it turned up in all the, in this collection. So it's, it's, we've got a scanned copy now and it's great to actually see it reunited um, with the original journal diary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, other things we've got, um, we've got scrapbooks, we've got a few of these. These are quite interesting as they, they sometimes hint at engineers others in other interests. So you get a lot of poetry for some strange reason. Um, and one scrapbook we've got um, belonged to Sir Charles Augustus Hartley. Um, he was one of the commissioners of the Danube and he was uh, based in Salina. And there's actually a photograph of the, um, the staff and the, and the children at the local Catholic school, uh, along with a list of, of the, um, where they all came from, their nationalities. Not what, really what you'd expect to find in, in such a thing. So whether, whether the workers' children attended the school or maybe he was supporting the school, maybe he was a governor or gave money to the school, who knows? But uh, it, it's sort of those, those hints at a, a life outside of engineering. Um, and finally, well, almost finally, we've got um, artificial collections. Well, not many, but... Sometimes people have collected like the Vellamy collection, which um, is all about clocks. And this was actually collected by the Vellamy family. Um, but also we've got the concrete collection, which we actually collected ourselves. And um, a small group of people wrote round to various uh, firms working with concrete, particularly reinforced concrete, and asked for samples of drawings and samples of their archives. So that involves things like pamphlets, photographs, technical information, and some physical examples of concrete reinforcement, which is the metal that's inside the, the, the concrete strengthening it. Um, and that was deliberately created to support our members, practicing engineers, to understand how older buildings were built. Um, so it could support refurbishment and even demolition, where it's important to know the loading of the floor, the original loading and how parts of the structure work together because this reinforcement is hidden and you know how the floor that is attached to the walls at the sides and uh, yeah finally there's, there's portraits as well every institution has its uh, portraits on the wall most of those are our past presidents uh, one of my favorites is John Alexander Brodie he was engineer for the Mersey Dock and um, Harbour Company back in the 1870s and 80s. But more interesting to me was that um, Liverpool being a, a city very much known for its sport, Brodie was a great football fan. Um, he actually supported Everton. And um, back in the 1880s, late 1880s, there were no uh, all-seater stands. So he went along one day and uh, one of the Everton players um, ran up the pitch with the ball aimed for the goal and because the spectators were standing behind the goal it bounced off someone's leg and the referee didn't know whether it was a goal or not and so Brodie went away and invented the uh, goal net and this is a great story for demonstrating how civil engineering it's not just about working on sites and, and getting muddy and it's about solving problems and how if you've got that sort of inquiring mind 
you know, you're, you never sort of switch off. You see a problem and you want to solve it. And that's a very, obviously a very social problem, social um, solution and social problem. But it's probably, um, you know, most people would be familiar with that on Saturday afternoon. That's so interesting. I'm not sure how many people would be pleased to hear that Everton is responsible for the modern football pitch design now. <laughs> Um, you've mentioned a few people that access your collection. So you've got um, ancestry people, you've got your members, and um, you've mm -hmm. got researchers. What type of things are they looking for? Is it is it technical details a lot of the time? Uh, it depends who it is. You know, obviously the archives support the ICE, but both internally the staff and and, and our members. So um, your know, staff thinks it's often people, um, you know, that have been a member in the past or or are applying for a job and, and they need to confirm that they've actually got a certain qualification so that's the sort of official record keeping side of it um members are currently working often do look for technical information particularly when working on existing buildings whether say whether it's refurbishment or even demolition you, you know if you know how the building's been built how it was put up sometimes it helps with actually how you take it down um other than that members of the public yes a lot of people looking for ancestors not as many as they used to be because obviously they can get it through ancestry but yes a lot of people looking for ancestors authors looking for sorry authors looking for illustrations um biographers and engineering historians and the media you know particularly tv there's been a lot of interest in engineering history on tv in recent years um and in the press but particularly tv it's really taken off oh what type of things are they looking at is it like brunel is it those famous types of um projects or is it well yeah well it does tend to be you know brunel basil jet um they're the main two really but uh some of them you know, bridges bridges are big um had a lot of things on bridges railways um but yes it does tend to uh, get a lot on on basiljet and bruno it would be nice really to if someone did something on telford or you know our, our first president who actually you know, worked throughout the country but isn't as well known as you know I.K. Brunel, I think, was voted something like second greatest Britain back in about 2000 when the BBC did that, um, that poll. Um, you know, he is the one, if, if people, if you ask the average person to name an engineer, Brunel would probably be, or historical engineer, Brunel would probably be the one that they would know of. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. People do really like a bridge. There's something, I don't know, there's something quite romantic about them almost. Um, and I must admit, I, I, I love bridges and lighthouses as well. That's oh. one of my little favourites. Yeah, lighthouses are quite unusual. I, I definitely see that for sure. Um, you're still collecting then, presumably, um, from current projects and things like that? Um, we are. We are. We, we tend to, I must admit, we tend to end up with a lot of... Um, our collections when, when people sort of clear out their loft or something or, or somebody dies and we, we get the collection um the the problem these days in in some ways is that the, the projects are so huge 
um, you know, you, there's no way we could collect everything, say, about the Channel Tunnel, you know, the, and also there's a lot of published information now. Um, so we tend to, we tend to aim to be a, a, a sort of portal. So that if someone comes to us and, and asks about, um, you know, have we got anything on the Channel Tunnel, we'll say, well, yes, we've got some things, but they also need to go to whether it's Network Rail or, you know, Channel Tunnel used to have their, have their own archive. Um, so we would try and find out where the majority of the collection is rather than actually try to store everything ourselves, which wouldn't be possible and, and probably isn't really uh, um, the best solution at all. Um, so we tend to be aware, try to be aware of um, where things are stored rather than try to collect it all. So do you have quite close links with other organisations? We try to, yes, we, yeah, we, we, we're very close with the IMECI and the IET. We've done several online exhibitions together. At the moment, we've got um, a World War One and World War II um, on a separate website, which I can give you the links to. Um, and we have done physical exhibitions in the past as well. As I say, we borrowed, um, we borrow from other uh, organisations and we lend as well. Um, we've, uh, we've worked with people like the Rochester Bridge Trust, uh, the SS Great Britain, we've had links with in the past. We lent some um, diaries um, up to the National Waterways Museum up, up in um, Ellesmere Port. Um, so yes, we, we try to work together where we can. Oh, that's really interesting. That's nice that you have a lot of information sharing going on. What are your hopes for the future of your collection then? Well, you know, so we, um, we're certainly doing a lot of digitization. Um, so we want to continue obviously collect, uh, developing the collection. Um, you know, one of the things is we, we've actually got an archive panel um, who helps support us. Because um, one of the other things about the, the new collecting is you want to sort of collect things that, that either fill a gap or are new. Um, so to try to be a bit more proactive. So yeah, in the future, you know, we, we'd like to carry on collecting. Um, we need to really try to be a bit more proactive rather than reactive and try to, so it's trying to select um, projects that we would like at least a sample from or, or to know where the, where the records are for these. Um, so digitising more material, making the collections more accessible. Well, the same recent months have shown how has shown how important this is. Uh, we've changed our library catalogue provider a couple of years ago, and we've got some exciting things that we can add now. The archive material can now be added into that web links, and most exciting of all, we can add images on. So that's something we'll be working on quite a lot as well. Um, as you mentioned, it'd be nice to do more joint activities as well. Um, oh, another one that we've done with the joint activities was we, we had a, a contract for Budapest Bridge for one of the caissons, and the ICE supported a project in Hungary um, to scan all the rest of the uh, relevant material in their collections, all the drawings and correspondence, and get that put online on a, a database as, as well. It's not on our website, but um, we, we can access that as well. So that was another sort of joint thing as well. So we like these sort of joint projects, really. 
what in your opinion you've mentioned a lot of things that you have um a lot of famous people but what is your most favorite item what do you find the most interesting oh no that's it that is such a hard question i can't just pick one i i do like the quirky things so for example we we have um, a cannonball, for, which belonged to Robert Rawlinson, and he was a member of the Sanitary Commission. He went out to the Crimean War um, to help improve the conditions for the soldiers, um, both in the hospitals and, and generally in, like, in the barracks and that out there. Um, and while he was there, he was injured. He was hit by um, a cannonball. Luckily, it hadn't come from a cannon. It was a, a spent one, but it, it, it hit him and, and injured him. And um, as you do, um, he saved it and had it inscribed. And we've got a letter about it and a photograph actually taken by Roger uh, Fenton, famous photographer. Um, and it's a photo of uh, Robert Rawlinson with John Sutherland, uh, Dr. John Sutherland. And next to Rawlinson is what looks extremely like this cannonball um, by his side with, with a sort of bowling bag, which I assume is what he carried it around in I'm not sure um but anyway so he brought it all the way back and uh, over the years it's, it's been presented to us um it's an unusual thing I'm not quite sure that I would stop and pick up a cannonball that had injured me but um yeah um another thing to say like being the quirky side is a horse book um which was kept by William Mackenzie in the 1830s uh, William Mackenzie was a railway engineer and this lists all the horses um, that were being used by their name. So we've got names like Star, Major, Tommy, Smiler, Lofty, Rolly and Boxer, all those sort of names that, you know, if you ever wanted to know what a horse was called in the 1830s. Um, I did wonder at first whether it was something that they had to keep, you know, perhaps for the RSPCA or something. But I think what was happening was I think that they were probably hiring the horses and the owners got paid according to whether the horse had done a full day or a half day and whether it was pulling an empty or full wagon. Uh, you probably, there were probably different prices according to um, you know, time and uh, work. So that's another interesting one. And finally, <laughs> Only one more. Finally, um, we've got the South Devon Atmospheric uh, Railway Watercolours. And this, this is a lovely volume um, of about 20 paintings. Um, they were done by William Weston in 1847. And they, they're sort of an artistic view, so they're very pretty. Um, and they show views along the line between Exeter and Totnes. Um, this is one of Brunel's projects. The line is still in existence, but it only really worked as an atmospheric railway, like a vacuum system for less than a year, really. Uh, the idea was that there was a sort of um, a, a pipe with a slot in it and the back and that was kept as a vacuum. And underneath the uh, engines and that there was um, a, a piece of metal that came down into the into the um, pipe. And it was sealed by, like, with like gutta percha um, so that it sort of opened as the carriage came on, uh, as the engine came along and then closed behind it. But unfortunately, the rats were rather partial to it and chewed at it and it rotted and uh, got eaten quite quickly. So, of course, they lost the vacuum. But what was interesting with the volume is that it shows the view each side of the line 
um, at the top and bottom and across the middle of the page is the root. Now you have to sort of use your imagination for this. The idea is that you start at the side of the page and you look along the route. Now you imagine you're traveling along the route and if you imagine you're in a train and you're looking out the window each side and then imagine that flattened down, you actually find that one of the um, images, of one of the sides that you're looking at is always upside down because you're imagining that you're actually in the carriage. Um, so that's quite interesting. I say that these are completely unique. There was only one copy of these, you know, one volume ever made. Um, and it's really lovely and it shows views of the of showing the navvies, but also members of the public coming along and watching and uh, watching what's going on or just going about their lives generally. Um, so it's very nice. Yeah. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me today, Carl. It's been really interesting here about the, the myriad of things that civil engineering covers and the amount of history you have in your archive, not just Brunel and Bridges. Um, I really hope that you get eventually, maybe one day, a TV programme on Thomas Telford. Um, that would be exciting, wouldn't it? Um, you're, based in, you're based in Westminster, aren't you? Next to yes. the Parliament. Um, yeah, you know when you're just next door. Sorry, we're just next door to the IMECI as well. So if anyone's uh, planning a visit, not at the moment because we're currently um, closed, really. But um, in the future, if you're planning a visit, uh, the IMECI is right next door, and the IET are just down the the road. So <laughs> do more than one. <laughs> Um, is there anywhere that you want would like to point people in the direction of the your archive um online exhibits things like that uh yes i say we've got the exhibit the exhibition the world war one and world war two exhibition um which is online I, I can give you some links to those uh, we've got an image uh, database online as well and of course there is our library catalog um with the archive material online as on that as well. Um, so lots of things that you can actually have a look at. And of course, our Ancestry as well has got our collections. We'll pop them on the page for people to have a look at them. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for talking to me today. That's okay. It's been lovely talking about uh, all our collections. <laughs> Thank you.